Hello, happy Friday from the front porch. I like to move around. I like to keep you guys guessing. Where's Angie going to be today? It's like, where's Waldo? But it's where's Angie? Just kidding. Um, it is so, it is so beautiful here in Kansas this morning, taking full advantage of the weather. It's 66 degrees right now. It's sunny and breezy and it's just amazing but we are also under a heat advisory <laughs> through next Wednesday because our temperatures are going to get up into triple digits by tomorrow. And none of us are excited about that. Anne-Marie, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yes, you guys, it is National Angela Day. And um, I just think that we need to, we need to celebrate that. It's important to <laughs> We celebrate National Angela Day five days after my birthday. I mean, you can't plan this out better. I've claimed the whole month. The people in my life know that, that um, the entire month of August is is mine. Like it is it is reserved for me. Actually, we had we done youth group for many years. And one of the kiddos from from our youth group who we were very, very close with, sent me a message on my birthday and said, I know I'm 13 days late. <laughs> but <laughs> Happy birthday. I've trained them well. I've trained the people up in the way that they should go so that they should not depart from it. <laughs> Is that blasphemous? <laughs> Close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting like these these really big eyes from my husband who's sitting across the table from me. It's fine. Just relax. Last week, I didn't even know about national name days until Rebecca posted that it was National Rebecca Day. Was that last week? Maybe, maybe the week before. I don't remember. But um <clears throat> that was hilarious to me. I didn't even know it was a thing. So anyway, there you have it. Maybe you should go and look to see when your national name day is. Um, because there's a lot of them. When did we, how did we get here to where there is a national day for everything? So bizarre. So bizarre. So anyway, moving on. Last week, I showed you... No, uh, last week I showed you the books that I was reading and I wanted to show you a book that I got for my birthday from my dear friend, Lisa. You guys look at this. The new book of Christian martyrs. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful book. And um, I, I haven't, I haven't really dove into it yet. I've, I've picked, do you do that? Do you like jump to different spots in books? And I just, this is not the kind of book that, that you just sit down and you start reading, right? Like how much of this can you actually handle in one sitting? I don't know, but I'm excited about it. <clears throat> it's a modern update to Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I don't know. We'll probably be reading stories from this soon. I, I, I just have a feeling. Okay. I did look, but it's so close to Christmas. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, you guys, um, we are going to jump into Psalm 102. I can't even come here. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. <clears throat> anyway, um, so Psalm 102 is where we're going to go this morning. And and I honestly, I, I was very indecisive about what to do this morning. And so that's when, that's when you lean totally into Holy Spirit and be like, you decide right? Do you ever get indecisive about things like that where you're like, 
there's so many things coming at you at the same time. And, and for me, I'm in like this, this hunger season and um, where I, I just, I feel like I can't get enough. And that's why I'm reading multiple books at the same time is because it's just like this feasting time for me where I just, I, I can't get enough. And um, so that, that's where I'm at. And that's why I feel a little indecisive about like, okay, God, like, where, where do you want to go today? So we're going to Psalm 102, and then we'll jump into parts of Psalm 103. But I thought this was so fascinating. And um, and so we're going to kind of pick it apart as we go. So open your Bibles and, um, to and Psalm 102. That's my husband pulling me up in the background <laughs> on his phone. <laughs> oh, good morning, Nicole. So good to see you guys on here. Anyway, um, okay, Psalm 102. Verse one, O Jehovah, hear my prayer and let my cry come unto you. Do not hide your face from me on the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me on the day when I call out. Answer me quickly. For my days are consumed in smoke and my bones burn like a hearth. My heart is stricken like grass and dried up. Indeed, I have even forgotten to eat my bread. Because of the voice of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the desolate places. I watch and I am like a lone sparrow on a housetop. This is, this is, this is Jesus, right? This is, this is a description of the afflicted one. That's actually the title of this Psalm is a prayer of an afflicted one. And, and it is, it is somebody giving voice to the revelation of, of Jesus, of the savior coming and what it would feel like to be him clothed in flesh and, and, and ushering in his kingdom. And that because of my, because of the voice of my growing, my bones cling to my flesh. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I've become like an owl of the desolate places. I watch and I am like a lone sparrow on a housetop. He's he's talking about these different birds in places where they don't belong, right? He not necessarily the the sparrow, but the the pelican and the owl. These are not places you would find these these types of birds. And he's like, I have found myself in a place that doesn't feel like home to me. Right. And he's the one, Jesus is the one is like the son of man has no place to lay his head. There's nowhere on the earth where he would feel comfortable enough to call it home. Right. And, and when he says, I watch and I am like a lone sparrow on a housetop, typically in, in Jewish culture, the rooftop was a place where they would go to pray. And so he's saying, I watch, I go there, I'm there, I'm there in the night and I'm watching and I am the only one. He, he's laying out what spiritual culture would be like when Jesus walked the earth, that he would be the lone sparrow, the lone sparrow uttering prayers to his father. That's wild. Okay, verse eight. All day long, my enemies reproach me. Those who deride me use me as a curse. 
for I have eaten ashes like bread and have mixed my drink with weeping. Verse nine, I have eaten ashes like bread. You can look at that and realize that this is his altar life. This is his altar life. This is, this is a man that was able to walk in such purity. He didn't leave the altar. He knew where to meet with his father. And that was at the altar. He knew what he came to do, that he was a living sacrifice at every moment. He was very aware of his mission, why he was here. He came as a sacrifice and he knew that he was the only unblemished lamb that could take away the sins of the world. So when he's saying that he eats the ashes like bread, he's it's talking again about his prayer life, about his communing with the Father. He's staying close to complete the mission, to be able to live out his days as a living sacrifice. Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have taken me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that declines and I am dried up like grass. But you, O Jehovah, abide forever and your memorial is from generation to generation. So it's like this litany of, of lament and, and what his life was like and, and the ache of it all and the pain of it all. And then he's going to point right back to who his father is, but you, O Jehovah, abide forever. And your memorial is from generation to generation. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her. The appointed time has come. Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, verse 14, for your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her soil. What's he talking about? We have to, you guys, we need to like slow down and ask all the questions when we're reading through Psalms because we can see what it is that, that, that God intended through these things for us today. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her soil. Living stones, right? Jesus came as the cornerstone. He came as the capstone and made us living stones, right? Like we are fitted together with him. And when he's talking about the soil, it is the oneness, right? This is this is what makes it possible. So um. I, I have a, a deep, deep, deep compassion for what's going on over in Pakistan right now. How I got this, I don't know. Pakistan has never been on my radar. And then I have a dream. And and then two days later, there's a, a little town in the middle of Pakistan that um, is raided. All of the, the churches and the homes are, are absolutely destroyed and the people are without homes. They're living in fields right now because they have no place to go. And um, like this is, this is persecution for them. But the soil that he's talking about there is that oneness. And this is what makes it possible for me as a living stone to connect with people in Pakistan who are living stones, right? It's that soil of oneness that brings us, us to have compassion with people that we've never 
ever laid eyes on, right? Like, and I realize we have social media contact, blah, 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 but that's not like real connection. We're talking about spirit to spirit connection that creates a oneness because of the soil that we are standing upon. It's it's Christ and Christ alone, right? And so we're capable of having connection with people all over the world because of our union with Christ and our oneness with one another. It is absolutely phenomenal to me that, that this is even possible, that we have that kind of connection. Like seriously, I, and I'm not trying to be labor what, what it is that I'm experiencing right now, but like I have wept for these people. And I don't know any Pakistan people, none, but I felt my spirit wanting to go and step foot, like to have my feet in their soil, just to, to, oh, I can't, I can't describe it. I won't try, but this is what it's talking about where we're living stones fitted together in the soil of oneness, right? Like we are in that soil of oneness to where we feel one another's burdens and, you know, rejoice with, with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning, right? Like that is what scripture tells us. Okay, we'll move on. Somebody should really keep track of me. 15, verse 15. And the nations will fear the name of Jehovah. And all the kings of the earth, your glory. Wow. Isn't it interesting that that follows up? uh, Verse 14, for your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her soil. And the nations will fear the name of Jehovah and all the kings of the earth, your glory. For for those of us that have believed the lie that the, the nations don't want anything to do with God, Guys, they just don't want anything to do with what the church has put on display. The nations fear God. We just haven't put reverence and honor and the fear of the Lord on display. We haven't, as the living stones, laid hold of all that is ours. When we do that, as living stones fitted together with that cornerstone in the soil of oneness, there's nothing we can't do. We'll put the grandiose display of the father's glory out there for the world to be like, I want that, right? The nations will fear the name of Jehovah. It's ours to lift high. For Jehovah has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for a generation to come and a people to be created will praise Jehovah. For he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven, Jehovah beheld the earth. I love that. He has looked down from the height of his sanctuary. Reminds me of that line. Who is man? that God is mindful of us. God has looked down from his sanctuary. He is above all else and he is looking down. He's looking down. From heaven, Jehovah beheld the earth. 
to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to die, that the name of Jehovah may be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Let's go back to that. It's verse 20. To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to die, that the name of Jehovah may be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. We, we need to realize it, that, that he's looking down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven, Jehovah beheld there, to hear, right? <laughs> What's he longing to hear? The groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to die, that the name of Jehovah may be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Ah, when will we get a clue? Right? Like we've put prayer on a back burner thinking that it's, you know, optional. It's not. It's not an option. It is our calling. It is our calling to reserve our seat at the altar day and night. Day and night. It is it it, it is our duty to fill I'm being past notes. This is like a classroom. <laughs> it's our duty to fill that bowl of prayers in heaven, right? Oh my gosh. That is, that is, that is, it is our first duty. Our first, our first responsibility is to, to take up our seat at the altar and lift high his name and petition him for the things that we see that the earth needs. Oh, wow. What an honor. What an honor to be heard. What an honor it is to be heard. Heaven hears us. Wow. That needs to wow you right now. Like, I don't want to move on until that wow. Heaven hears us. God has inclined his ear. <laughs> To us. Sorry, I need to take a drink. Wow. Heaven hears us. God is leaning in to hear our hushed prayers. That's amazing. We've taken it for granted. Father, cause us to turn wholeheartedly back to you. To do the things we did at first. Mm. Third time today, huh? We do need to take our seat. I, I think that when we give up our, our seat at the altar, we, we are taking a seat somewhere. Let's just say it that way. You know, what altar that is, I don't know. I can't say. I'm not you. Oh, my goodness. Hello, Maria. Oh, and Chris. Chris, you've jumped in. Hello. 
Okay, 22, verse 22. We are in Psalm 102, 22. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve Jehovah, he has weakened my strength in the way he has shortened my days. I said, my God, do not take me away in the middle of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Indeed, all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years are without end. Ah, does that bring you some kind of comfort? It does me. Oh my gosh. He is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. And his years are without end. He will endure. He goes on and on and on. There's no end to him. There's no end to him. And you know what's so amazing about God is he doesn't go through a series of transformation. We do. And we have to hit refresh on each other's lives all the time. It is our responsibility to do so. I, I cannot think that I know Anne Marie the same way in two years than I do right now. That would be, that would be errant. I need to hit refresh on the knowledge that I hold of Anne Marie so I can know her fresh, know her new, right? We are being transfigured daily. On a regular basis, we are being transfigured in the likeness of Christ. What's so beautiful about God. And I think so often we put him in the same measure as man where, oh, I'm not so sure what he's going to be like today. That's not true. He is not changing. He's the same. His personality is the same. Who he is does not transform. We don't have to guess like, oh, what's his mood today? Like, <laughs> he doesn't have that same human existence. He is God, right? And is steady and he is true. And we can run into him knowing that nothing's changed. He's the same. Now, is he going to reveal different aspects of himself to us? Absolutely. But that's the fun and that's the joy in being his is that he reveals himself to us as we transform, not the other way around, right? Like it's as we transform, we get to see different facets of who he is. But he is always the same, always the same. And, and for those of us that get caught up in, well, the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament. No, Jesus didn't come to change God, right? Jesus didn't come and do what he did to transfigure God. He came to transform us. We were enemies in our minds with God and Jesus came back to do what he did in the ultimate sacrifice to turn our hearts back to a constant God who never changes. It's comforting. Okay. Did I finish this? I don't even know. 
We'll start at 24. I said, my God, do not take me away in the middle of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. But we probably did read all this. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hand. They will perish, but you endure. Indeed, all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years are without end. The children of your servants will continue and their seed will be established before you. What a thing to say to us, right? For those of us that have children, I know you've had moments of like, I hope that they like, you know, get it at some point and turn and face Jesus and, and want to, I mean, there is no greater joy than, than to, to have a child that is like wholehearted toward Jesus. This is such a promise. The children of your servants will continue and their seed will be established before you. Amazing. Amazing. Um, let's go into Psalm 103. I just want to read a little bit of it because it is um, it is just such a beautiful example of, of what is ours, right? Um Right now, I just feel this longing on God's heart that, that we come a people who know how to lift our voice in praise, that we would know how to praise his name. There is so much chatter and chaos in the atmosphere because the children of God don't know how to praise, right? So let's, let's become students again and learn how to praise his name in an effective way. You know, in, in Acts, it says that they lifted up their voice in one accord. They lifted up their voice in one accord. Lifted up their voice to what? They lifted up their voice to the Lord in praise. They released praise to his name. And, and the reason we have so much chatter going on around us is because we don't know how to praise. And when we don't know how to praise, he can't establish his throne because we know that he establishes his throne on the praises of his people. And this is just such a beautiful Psalm 103. Yes, in one accord and harmony together as one. Can you imagine if at the same time across the world, everybody was lifting high the name of Jesus in praise? Can you imagine what would happen? Like, I'm not sure we could handle it. It would just be so significant. But it is the call, right? Let's read. Bless Jehovah, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless Jehovah, oh my soul, and do not forget all of his benefits. He pardons all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. He pardons how many of your iniquities? You guys, when we when we praise him like this, it's not for God's ego. He's not egotistical. It's a reminder. It shapes something in us. It reminds us of what has been done on our behalf. He pardons all 
your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. Does anybody on here have a disease right now? Are you hurting? Are you broken? He heals all your diseases. The problem is, is most of us serve our diseases. We serve our ailments. We serve our hurts. We serve our brokenness. I told you, you've taken a seat somewhere. What altar are you sitting at? Because the altar of God dictates that all your diseases are healed. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies the prime of your life with good. He satisfies the prime of your life with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And when they heard it, lifted their voices together with one united mind to God and said, O sovereign Lord, you are he who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. I love that. That's so good. Ah, I love reading the stories of of the, the first church. It's just, it's beautiful. And it wasn't without hardship, right? They had hardships. They endured because praise was always on their lips. Always. These people, they just couldn't wait to lift high his name. They looked for every opportunity. Let's do that. Let's be those people. Jehovah, verse six, Jehovah executes righteous acts and his judgments for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Jehovah is compassionate and gracious, long suffering and abundant in loving kindness. He will not always contend with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he recompensed us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness upon those who fear him. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness upon those who fear him. We need the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord. We do. I want to experience his lovingness, like this, this overwhelming loving kindness. I want to experience that. So great. It's so great. Oh, me too, Maria. I love him so. Jesus, I love We need to stay at the altar. We need to stay there. We need to stay seated in that place where all times we're prepared to lift his name. Praise continually on our lips. Oh my goodness. Good morning, sweet Virginia. I miss you so much. You've been on my mind all week long. And I just, I want to hug you. 
Mm. So spirit to spirit, I'm releasing a hug over you right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was good. Oh, I love you, Virginia. Um, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. <laughs> he's thrown he's thrown it all into a sea that he calls forgetfulness. Do you know how much work it takes for us to actually wrap ourselves in our transgressions? It's actually far more difficult for us to go deep sea diving in, in his, his, his sea called forgetfulness to, to go in and capture that somewhere on the floor of his sea and put it on soaking wet and watch that thing come to life. We'd have to chase it down as far as the east is from the west. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work when we're called to remain at his altar, to experience his loving kindness that endures forever and ever. We need to stay. Oh, where was I? As compassionate as a father is toward his children, so compassionate is Jehovah to toward those who fear him. That's beautiful. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a field flower for the wind passes over it and it is no more. And its own place knows of it no longer. But Jehovah's loving kindness is from eternity unto eternity upon those who fear him. And his righteousness is to the children's children. Are you sensing a theme? Can you feel the longing of his heart? Like he's wanting to pour out his loving kindness on you now. Are you showing him appropriate honor? Is he reverenced in your heart, in your mind? Is everything that you're doing right now honoring who he is? Loving kindness is what is yours. Ah, and his righteousness to the children's children, verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts so as to do them. Jehovah has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. When we take our seat at the altar, 
we move in the same power that belongs to Christ, right? You guys, wait, we got to get this. When we take our seat at the altar and we release his magnificence from our own mouths, the exchange is his loving kindness because we have surrounded ourselves in the fear of the Lord and we know how to reverence him. And his power becomes our power to shift everything around us. Everything has been given to Jesus. All dominion and authority is his. And he has shared that with those that fear him. How much power do you want to play with? That's the question. Bless Jehovah, you, his angels, who are mighty in strength to perform his word by obeying the voice of his word. Bless Jehovah, all you, his hosts, you, his ministers, who execute his will. Bless Jehovah, all you, his works in all places of his dominion. Bless Jehovah, all Oh, my soul. I love this. Um, verse 20 and 21, verse 20 through 22. This is really neat because um, I, I love that he includes the the angelic in in his his time of praise here, because it, he says, bless Jehovah, you, his angels who are mighty in strength to perform his word. Who's releasing his word on the earth? Right? That's, that's us. We are the ones releasing his word on the earth. Bless Jehovah, you his angels who are mighty in strength to perform his word by obeying the voice of his word. Bless Jehovah, all you hosts, you his ministers who execute God's will. We just simply don't know who we are. The altar life is where everything is happening. It's where everything is happening. It's where this glorious exchange takes place, where we lift high his name and we benefit greatly from it. And not just us, but everything around us. At his word through my voice, at his word through your voice, the angelic host execute God's will. We need to understand who we are and what is ours because of him. The, the angels are waiting for us to release the word of the Lord so they can go to work. We need to, to put on the, the clothing of ambassadors. I was talking to a friend on Monday and she was telling me that, that oftentimes when something enters into her mind of um, a calling or um, a gifting or, or somebody even prophesies something over her or you know what, whatever it may be, that she takes those things and she tries them on 
and she tries them on before the father. And if it doesn't fit well, she knows it's not for now, right? Like she knows it's not for now, that maybe it's something that, that eventually will fit, but she hangs it back up. But if it fits well right now, she puts it on and she asks, how do I wear this effectively? We need to do that. We are ambassadors of Christ. We need to know what our garments look like right now. We cannot be wearing any old thing in this season. Okay? Take off the old tattered things of last season. Dress appropriately before the king. John and I watched One Night with the King last night. I think that's what it's called, One Night with the King, the old Esther movie from the early 2000s. And it's quite errant, actually, biblically speaking. But it was, I, I really just, I wanted to watch something with a king in it. Like I just had this desire to, to see the interaction between people and a king. And, and it was, it was beautiful. And he was just an earthly king and he was revered. People were, were very mindful when approaching him. Very mindful. Are we mindful? There's even a scene where, where there's a question of like, what should I wear? When I go before the king, all the other ladies went into the treasury and they, they were just thrilled with the amount of jewels that they could put on themselves. But Esther wasn't. She asked the right question. Teach me. She asked the eunuch, teach me. What is the appropriate thing to wear for a king? Holy Spirit, teach me. What is the appropriate thing to wear before you right now? I want to honor you as the King of all kings, as the Lord of all lords, of the God. I, I want to I honor him as the God of the angel armies. What's the appropriate thing to wear before the king right now? teach me. Can that just be our prayer? Teach me how to serve you. Teach me how to serve you. How to talk before you. How to live. How to dress. How to praise your name. What will edify your name in this season? Yeah, garments of praise. Yeah, we've got to take off these other garments. They're tattered and they're old and they're heavy and they're oppressed. Get them off. Garments of praise. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are drawing our attention to loftier things. And I just thank you right now for the, the wardrobe that is wide open. Usher us in, God. Usher us in to heavenly places and dress us 
in garments that are appropriate to wear before you, my king. Usher us in. Teach us the ways of royalty that we would really learn to be ambassadors, walking in your likeness. God, I'm asking for priestly garments that we would learn to work the altar. Jesus, I thank you for the revelation of oneness, that we are standing in the same soil, fitted together side by side. We would become living epistles before you, complementing the one to the left and the one to the right, just to behold you as king. And right now we bow before you. We bow our hearts before you, Jesus. Lower still. To honor you. To adore you. To magnify you. Jesus, we long to put you on display for the world to begin to crave. So we lift high your name, Jesus. We lift high your name above every other name. You would be exalted above every other thing. that the praises of your people would crush every high thing established on the earth right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Mm, yes. Yes, girl. I bless your weekend, guys. Um, we will be we'll be live on Sunday if you want to join in. Um, that is 10 a.m. Central Time. We'll talk soon. <laughs>